Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast on rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. This week, we're going to talk about who's looking after the kids. We've been hearing from listeners that a lack of quality childcare options can really stifle innovation and growth in rural communities. And we found someone who studies just that. Dr. Susan Prentice is a sociology professor at the University of Manitoba. Her research focuses on contemporary and historical childcare policy and advocacy. And we're very pleased to have her join the Rural Spark conversation. Hello, Susan, and welcome to Rural Spark. Thanks. Good morning. Uh, Susan, can you tell us a little bit about your research background on rural childcare in Canada? How did you come to study this as a specialty? Well, I'm a sociologist, and I specialize in family and public policy, and my research focus for more than 25 years now has been childcare. I live now in Manitoba. I moved here from Toronto, and Manitoba is a big province with a big rural and northern population, and so it was a pretty natural transition for me wanting to focus on rural, remote, and northern childcare as well as urban childcare. Right. And can you give us a picture from your studies what rural child care in Canada looks like today, you know, especially um, in terms of who's providing those kinds of services and where you found that there's challenges in terms of availability and quality. The context for all discussions about child care is a context of inadequate supply. Canada has a licensed child care space in either a regulated centre or a family home for only about a quarter of all the children who might need or want to use it. So right away, we're talking about a small supply of service. So even in large urban settings, there's insufficient supply. So you can just imagine how much that compounds for families outside of cities. We estimate in Canada that close to a million children live in what's called a childcare desert, which Mm -hmm. means a a, a geographic region where there is an undersupply of childcare. Almost nobody lives with enough access to childcare outside of Quebec. And is part of it a, a cultural problem in that we're, you know, we still have this legacy of feeling that's just a private issue, that's your personal issue, that's your personal problem, and it's not a societal issue? Is that is that part of what you're encountering? Yep, it's a good way to put it, Helen. The, this, this cultural approach, the idea that children are a private responsibility, that if you had them, you should raise them, you know, that we had children and we didn't ask for help, mm-hmm. uh, bleeds very dramatically into public policy where governments locally, provincially, and nationally have historically been quite willing to spend on all kinds of infrastructure to help the families and the economy work, but haven't seen childcare as belonging to that package. So it's really been left to the private market to provide childcare services. And in Canada, slightly under 80% of all the licensed childcare spaces are offered by not-for-profit organizations. Mm -hmm. But that's still the private market. It's the not-for-profit private market, but it's not a public service in the way that education or healthcare are. So when you rely on the private market and market forces and a user pay system, you end up in a situation where there's really a lack of adequate access and affordability for families. Yeah, my children are young adults now, so I kind of forget where we've come. I remember it being expensive back in the day, but I was uh, getting together with lunch with three former co-workers of mine who are all on mat leave now, and the topic of daycare costs came out, and they were talking about daycare center that is downtown. 
uh, that's very uh, accessible for them at work when they go back to work. But the price tag was $2,000 a month for the child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I think a lot of us maybe who've been out of that realm for a little while just are shocked by the sticker price today. The sticker price is terrifying. It's one of the biggest barriers for families. And that's because childcare for many families is even more expensive than housing costs. Exactly. Certainly in some of the big cities. The cost of childcare has been rising faster than the cost of living. And when governments don't help defray the costs, parents have to pay. So it's not at all unusual for well over $10,000 a year per child on childcare. Uh, and of course, on average, given the career arc and earnings, these are families in their lower earning years, not their mm-hmm. higher earning years. And so childcare costs are a major problem. All provinces in Canada have some way of supplying subsidies or support to lower income families, but almost all of these subsidy systems are inadequate. And so cost is a huge barrier for parents, even if they can find a space which is scarce. Exactly. What are you finding in other countries? I know your research has expanded beyond our borders a little bit. Are you seeing mm-hmm. some some good models in terms of both policy and practice for rural childcare mm-hmm. solutions in other countries that we might want to take a closer look at in Canada? Oh, yes, indeed. The United Nations and other international organizations have looked around the world and produced kind of ranking tables for how countries do. And despite Canada's good reputation on many fronts, we hover near the bottom when it comes to childcare. So we don't do very well, and it's largely because of this lack of public investing. You know, I'm a university professor, and I get to go on sabbaticals and do research. I I spent time in both France and Sweden in 2018. France, for example, has had for over 100 years a parental right to école maternelle from the time a child is three or in some communities two years old. That's just a free part of the public education system. And so French families only have to buy childcare for the under twos or threes. Mm. I also spent time in Sweden, which of course is a world leader when it comes to childcare. In Sweden, all parents have a right to childcare. And it's a municipal responsibility. It, you know, wherever you live in Sweden, you go to your municipality, you tell them you'll need childcare, and they have a legal right to ensure you have a childcare spot that's highly affordable in less than three months. Wow. So it, it certainly can be done. And we don't have to go abroad. Quebec has made enormous strides in the last 20 years to ensure access. On a per capita basis, there's more childcare in Quebec than anywhere else in Canada. It's more affordable. Childcare workers in Quebec earn the best wages of anywhere in Canada because of this good public funding. That cultural issue you talked about, we know that the childcare workforce in Canada is highly feminized. There's Mm -hmm. no other job sector which is more female-dominated. It's somewhere between 96 and 98% women working in the childcare wow. sector. And a long legacy of thinking that women just naturally know how to work with babies and small children means we've never seen this as skilled work, and we've never been willing to pay the workers properly. And this is where the architecture of the private market really fails us. Parents can't pay higher fees, they're already too high, and yet the workers earn wages that are too low, and they often have to leave the field. 
And so only public funding and the development of a public service can break this gridlock. Right. It, when, you, when you get those two sides that need to be looked after, the, the private model just is not going to be able to do both. Exactly. We sometimes use the metaphor that it's kind of like one-room schoolhouses and it's still the 19th century, right? We've mm -hmm. got this polka dot system of small individual standalone services. If you live in a little town that hired a school teacher, then you've got yourself a school that you pay to go to. But what we're waiting for are those public education acts that brought in public schooling and uh, enabled all children to have access to education. We're just about a century behind on childcare. Right. For listeners who aren't as familiar, Susan, can you give us um, a quick snapshot of how the Quebec system works? Mm -hmm. So the Quebec system is, uh, we go back to 1997, when the Quebec government at the time, concerned about family policy in a really holistic way, produced a package of changes. It included good parental and maternity leave, and it included what began as a $5 a day daycare program. In recent years, there's been a bit of a move away from that commitment to access and quality. And these days, it's, it's even looking shaky. But what it's created over the last 20 years is an extensive supply of childcare services. Beginning almost 20 years ago, care for school-aged children, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, course, any parent of a kid going to school knows that you can't just leave them alone. They mm -hmm. need care as well, became taken over by school boards. So this is very logical. The ch children are in schools. Children have access to all the resources of these great public buildings. They've got libraries and gyms and playgrounds. And so this is organized in Quebec through the school system, which is very logical. Mm -hmm. And for children under the age of six, Quebec began a network of integrated kind of hubs where in neighborhoods, childcare centers would link up with uh, licensed family homes in their area and provide service. Many of my research colleagues will say that in Quebec, the balance of supply and demand has pretty much been met. In recent years, the fees have started to go up and there's some important questions about some very new policy changes, but in general, Quebec has been a, a shining example of how a committed provincial government can really help families and children. And have you seen some cases where communities themselves are kind of saying, uh, you know, maybe outside of the Quebec model, we need to take matters into our own hands. We know childcare is important and, and we're going to do something. And, and maybe some innovative solutions are happening at that level? All the time. That's, in fact, the only way childcare gets built in Canada. You know, it's a bit of a mystifying thing when you realize that outside of a few cities, municipalities in Ontario and one or two in British Columbia, there is no public childcare. You know, if tomorrow every single privately run childcare center just decided this is too hard and not cost effective and we're all closing down, there would be literally no government levers to keep them open mm. because all over Canada, parents get together and they figure out how to cobble together funding and start and begin to operate a childcare center. And they do it on their own. So we've got all kinds of heroic examples of communities that come together to apply for funds, to find a space, to hire staff. And then they run because 80% of the childcare in Canada is, is owned and operated by not-for-profit organizations where 
parents sit on the board of directors and make the decisions and keep their, you know, businesses running. It's a very tough job for parents at a very busy time in their lives. Right. And if you happen to be in a community where, you know, people are, we talk about volunteers in rural communities, especially, they're so stretched and there's so many responsibilities. And with the aging population, there's a, a difficulty sometimes passing the torch. So you mm-hmm. might be in a community where that's just not happening or not happening to the level because um, it is a lot of work and it takes a lot of people to make it happen. It does. And of course, you can see very quickly a, a vicious circle. I remember talking to a, a Reeve in rural Manitoba who talked about how important the presence of a child care center was in their town for being able to attract medical staff, mm. right? If you want to keep your hospitals going, if you want to provide services, if you want to make it possible for young families to live in, in rural Canada, you need to find ways to support families. And so rural depopulation, in fact, can be turned around in part by ensuring that childcare services exist. So yeah, it's a crisis issue for rural communities, and yet it doesn't sort of belong to rural municipalities as a problem to solve, which is another paradox. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, sometimes governments might feel pressure to address childcare needs because it's, quote unquote, the right thing to do for women and families and children. But we talked the other day about there's also a significant economic case to be made for filling the childcare void. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, childcare is also good for the bottom line. I mean, one of the ways to approach childcare, and it's a bit, you know, it's a bit unanticipated, is to realize it's a great job creator. Mm-hmm. Right? Childcare is labor intensive, and that's a good thing. Little people need big people, so childcare centers spend a uh, at least 80 to 90% of their budgets on on staffing. They buy locally, they consume locally, they spend in their communities. And some of the economic analysis that I and others have done have shown that on a dollar-for-dollar basis, it's one of the best motors you have in a local economy. So you and others have heard of this economic technique called the input-output multiplier. Right. Ringing a bell, you know, yep. you say every dollar ripples through the community and it creates X or Y amount of benefit. Mm-hmm. Most studies in Canada and certainly the ones I've done in, in Manitoba show that you get at least a dollar fifty-eight back for every one dollar you spend. Wow, that's impressive. In in the short term. Right. And it makes sense, right? If you create a job and you hire a person and then she's got a salary and then she gets to buy more at the local store ripple through your local economy. If you asked about what a retail multiplier is, it's Mm -hmm. somewhere around 1.3. If you look at airports, it's about 1.19. So if you were actually thinking as an economic development officer on a dollar for dollar basis, childcare is a surprisingly effective economic development strategy. And do you think that when we look at rural Canada, maybe our communities are being held back even more than in urban centers and perhaps rural women more so than other groups in terms of being able to, uh, you know, contribute to the economy and achieve their potential in society? Well, yes. And again, that's this, uh, this context of the bigger picture for Canada. All mothers in Canada are disadvantaged by a system that thinks that their children are their private responsibility and that they have to cobble together a private solution. And so in general, we know that it's women's careers that get changed much more than men's careers 
with the arrival of children. Some people call this the motherhood penalty. Mm. It's got particular consequences in rural areas. For example, some of my research on agricultural Canada tells us that off-farm income is particularly important, right? You need outside of a farming season to have a winter income, you know, sometimes take jobs away. So in rural areas, w- women's jobs are harder to find and particularly crucial for the survival of a, f- a family farm, for example. And where there isn't childcare, it can create a cascade that's a part of this process that leads to rural depopulation. Some of that can be turned around by supportive family policies. And it's this disconnect between the economy and the family that I I and others are, are working hard to try to bridge. Right. And are we wealthy enough as a country, Canada, to get this right? Totally. For one thing, it's the right thing to do. I mean, I don't think uh, you'd go very far by saying, I'm sorry, public education is just too expensive. Mm-hmm. The kids will have to learn to read on their own. There's the right thing to do as a rich country. But if anybody's feeling skeptical about that, they can look to Quebec. Because of this economic multiplier I talked about, Quebec provides as a what economists call a natural laboratory for looking at what happens when you roll out an ambitious public policy. In Quebec, they spend close to $2 billion a year, which is a lot, mm-hmm. on their child care package. And every year they get more than that back. And you're thinking, how is this possible? There's all the ripple effects of employment. What happens to many families is women go to work. And once they're in paid work, as opposed to unpaid family work, they're paying taxes, they're contributing to the economy, they might be less of a draw on other kinds of public spending. So Quebec has seen the family poverty rate drop by half, and every year they see immediate short-term returns that exceed the cost of the program. That's even before you account for all the longer-term benefits that happen, for example, when kids get a good start, they come to kindergarten really ready to learn, a kid, for example, who might have a learning or a vision disability gets identified earlier and they they get speech therapy faster when they need it, right? All these longer-term benefits are also chugging along while Quebec gets its money back the very next year. So there is, in fact, no legitimate economic argument against investing in accessible universal childcare. And it sounds like the data is there. I mean, we all know that governments like to have data in order to make policy decisions and uh, create new policies. And um, it sounds like the Quebec uh, model has really given us some incredible data. Mm-hmm. It has. The problem, right, is trying to figure out why people don't act on this evidence. Mm-hmm. I still haven't figured it out. I don't know why when you can make an effective business case, as well as a social justice and fairness case, Mm -hmm. we still see governments so reluctant. I'm forced to come back to a, a feminist critique, which says that politicians have kind of put this iron wall around, you know, some things are political and some things are private. Mm. And childcare and children have yet to jump across that wall. Yeah, well, hopefully the data will will come to resonate more and and get us there in the years ahead. And I'm wondering what you feel is at risk if, as a country, we don't really do more to get this right in the the coming years. 
Well, there's quite a lot at risk. I mean, women will continue to experience the economic consequences of lower participation rates, which is, you know, if you look at Stats Canada data, we know that when women have children under the age of two, about two thirds of them are in the labor force. And by the time their children are six and over, over 80% of them are in the labor force. So we don't see this kind of change in men's labor force patterns. Mm -hmm. These, over a lifetime, a woman earns less than a man does on average, you know, right. given the way families organize themselves. So this has lifelong economic effects for women all the way into retirement and into public pensions. It produces lots of stress and strain, and health researchers are starting to talk now about the fact that the strain and stress of children is a part of women's, it, it, it's a pressure on women's health. We know that children often don't get uh, the kind of support they need for the best start. It's a weight. It's mm -hmm. a social weight to fail to invest in supporting families, children, and women. And for rural families and communities who might now be fighting to get access to better quality child and, and spaces available where they live, and I, I was talking to a, a mom yesterday in Nova Scotia, and, and they've been working on trying to get, you know, the, the after school you mentioned earlier that, you know, it would be available at their community school that they can have, so they have to work with governments on that. Um, so sometimes it might be for the nonprofit model, sometimes it's for getting government involved in some different programs. What advice do you have people who are maybe getting started in that, that fight or in the midst of it now? Mm -hmm. Well, my advice would be to take heart. It's the best time in a long time to be revisiting these questions. Canada now has a, a, a national framework on early learning and childcare, and the federal government of Justin Trudeau has just finished three years of investments. They've been transferring not enough, but more money than we've ever had to mm -hmm. all the provinces to help provinces move forward. So for the first time in a long time, there's a federal partner who's trying to help provincial governments. So this is good news. Most provinces are now moving to sign their second three-year framework agreements on early learning and child care. But I think what has to happen, and the Canadian Federation of Municipalities and some of the provincial associations are trying to do this, I think that local government has to start understanding the social and economic costs of bad family policy. And I would mm -hmm. like to see local and municipal governments stepping up. In BC, for example, at the last count, over 50 small towns and villages and some cities have signed on to a $10 a day daycare plan expressing their support for a new approach in BC. Wow. And this is a big innovation where small towns and munis municipalities, including rural, northern and remote municipalities, are starting to say, although historically this hasn't been on our agenda, right, we've thought about roads and lighting and, you know, what, you know, hard infrastructure, social infrastructure is a part of what makes our communities work. And we want our local governments to step up and take action. Um, so this is very encouraging as we look across the country and see, you know, enlightened, forward-thinking local governments starting to recognize the importance. Yeah, and I think if we could get a, a second province, you know, developing some really good models for this, there's going to be more pressure on other provinces to get on board. There is. But local governments, even when they're as committed as can be, are really working with their hands tied behind their back 
a couple of years ago, I worked with the small town Altona in southern Manitoba, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. a group of local leaders were really keen. They knew they needed more childcare. They knew they had to help the community build it. They were willing to provide leadership. They supported a need study. They they supported a a business plan. And of course, building childcare is expensive, right? There's a capital investment that's often daunting. It can cost a couple of million dollars to build a safe, quality, up to standards childcare center. And nobody blinks an eye at that that's the cost of building a good public school or a hospital. And when you scale it down to 40, 50, 60, 70 kids, it's the same dollar amount, but right. people think it costs too much. Right. And then once you've built it, you have to help operate it. If, if you're only relying on parents to pay the full cost, you'll end up with empty childcare centers because as you pointed out, parents can't pay over $1,000 a month per child to use the program. So without capital dollars and without operating funding, even a, a local government that knows they need to build childcare doesn't have the tools and the levers enable to move forward. Right. This has been, I mean, I wish we had more solutions than uh, problems on the table here. But as you say, there are some bright signs. There are some uh, encouraging signs that the time might be good for moving moving the ball forward. And um, thanks very much for being on Rural Spark with us today, uh, Susan, and, and, and sharing your research and your insights with us. And, and we'd like to stay in touch and see how things are progressing and, and the research that you're doing in this field. Thank you very much. Thanks. We'll talk again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.